0: Hello, and welcome to Resources Radio, a weekly podcast from Resources for the Future. I'm your host, Kristen Hayes. Our guest today is Dr. Christian Flaxland, who's the head of the Governance Working Group at Germany's Mercator Research Institute on Global Commons and Climate Change. He's also an assistant professor for climate and energy governance at the Hertie School of Governance. His research interests include climate and energy policy assessment, international collaboration, and the science policy interface. Today, our conversation will focus on the ongoing carbon pricing debate in Germany. Stay with us. Christian, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, You're based in Berlin, but I'm very pleased to be recording this podcast with you in person during one of your visits to RFF. So glad you could make it.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So you've been working on climate policy and governance issues for a number of years now, including through international processes uh, such as the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. How did your interest in these topics start?
1: So when I came off high school and started studying uh, social sciences and economics, uh, I did that with the intention to use rigor and develop rigorous knowledge to improve the world, actually. That was my uh, intention at the time. I was studying in Potsdam, And I attended a class by an economist from PIC, the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research, um, which is one of the major climate research institutes in Germany. And I was quite fascinated by the vastness and intellectual complexity of the climate problem at the time um, and how it required truly interdisciplinary thinking um, in the social sciences, but also uh, working with natural scientists. And that still attracts me until today, basically. And so to cut a long story very short, um, I started at PIC as a student assistant, as it often goes, with uh, Ottmar Edenhofer, who's by now a famous climate economist, and with some interruptions, I've been working with him for the past 18 years, actually, doing my PhD at PIC, um, and uh, then helping in establishing the MCC, the Mercator Research Institute for Global Commons and Climate Change in Berlin, and then becoming an assistant professor, um, and along the way, also working uh, on the IPCC, where Otmar was a co-chair um, on mitigation in the last report cycle.
0: That's great. So uh, let's turn to the focus of today's podcast in particular. Uh, I've heard that there's increasing interest in expanding carbon pricing in Germany. Uh, as Germany's already part of the European emissions trading system, why is that the case? Why are they looking to expand?
1: Yeah, so indeed, we have an increasing debate on this. Um, so, for example, the major German weekly Der Spiegel, which is sort of comparable to Time magazine, and in, in the past, I learned. Uh, here in the United States, um, had its title story on climate change and on carbon pricing in particular. And colleagues of mine and I, um, uh, in particular, Ottmar Edenhofer, worked on um, sort of background pieces to inform that title story in, in, in fall. And it's been an important push in the German debate about carbon pricing. But before going specifically into that, I think it's useful to give some more general background on German climate and energy policy these days. Um, so as many of... Uh, um, People in the audience will know um, subsidies in the electricity sector have been very important for German uh, energy and climate policy. So we have just the numbers out for 2018. We now have close to 40% of electricity demand in Germany being met by renewables. Um, So this has been a very high increase over the past 10 years. But this has also come at a very high cost. So the annual subsidies are 30 billion euros per year. so um, the dollar number does not differ that much from that. Um, but then coal emissions in the German electricity sector haven't actually declined that much. So what happened is we have uh, fa- started to phase out nuclear. So renewables have substituted for nuclear, but we also started exporting electricity to our neighboring countries. So you can have an increasing share of renewables, but don't reduce emissions. And this is what's happening in, in Germany, and which is not so nice from a climate perspective, of course. So having recognized that the Current government coalition has set up a so-called coal commission, and the aim of that commission is to come up with a schedule for um, phasing out lignite power plants in Germany over the next 20, 30 years. Um, The commission will come forward with that proposal next month. It is planned to do that. Let's see what actually happens. And then we would have a plant-by-plant schedule for how long the plants run and... uh, uh, how much uh, generation they're allowed, which is modeled after the German nuclear exit. Actually, that's sort of the blueprint. That's what people know in Germany. And this has been pushed for pretty much by the environmental movement. Um, So we also have the European emission trading system, as we mentioned, covering the electricity sector. You might ask, why do we actually have an additional, additional instrument? It's true, but the price has been very low in recent years, um, hovering around €5, Euros, and many have doubted that this is in line with what you need in the long term, and I am one of these people. The price has increased in the past year, but there's a significant downside risk of this price collapsing again. So, no space to go into detail here. There's some of the work we do with Dallas Bertra from Resources for the Future. Having a minimum price in the UTS, I'll come back to that later, would be would be quite useful. But it still leaves us with transport, buildings, and non-covered industry. And just very quickly, transport emissions have been rising in Germany. The CO2 intensity standards have not been effective in reducing those. Uh, Buildings is constant. We don't have effective policies there. And as a result of all that, um, low ETS prices, uh, ineffective policies in the other sectors, Germany will miss its 2020 emission target and also likely its 2030 emission target, which it has adopted under formal EU climate policy. So Germany actually has a... Uh, a requirement to reduce its emissions under EU law. And the interesting thing, and few people have been aware of this, is that if Germany has any shortfall in, in emissions in the non-ETS sectors, um, it actually needs to buy allowances for these uncovered emissions from other countries within the European Union. So we have a emission trading system among governments for non-ETS sectors, which is very much modeled after the Kyoto Protocol trading. And Some people have done the the numbers on what might be the shortfall in German emissions until 2030 and what might be the price of allowances. And the higher end of the estimate of the cost of purchasing allowances is 60 billion euros for these 10 years. And that, of course, gets people going. So why should we pay other governments in Europe for buying these allowances? I mean, emission trading is great, yes, but why not have more effective policies in Germany in the first place? And also, why not harmonise more the 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 marginal price of emission reductions outside the outside the ETS? Because this will be a higher price than inside the EU ETS. So there will be pressure to connect these uh, different sectors. Um, and even though we don't have price based policies outside the ETS, we're going to have a price signal eventually showing up in the in the balance sheet of governments. And then you, you sort of naturally arrive at a discussion about carbon pricing, because why not have a carbon price in the first place that would push down uh, allowance? And that was sort of yeah, the starting point of, um, of this more recent discussion about carbon pricing.
0: So lots of reasons, it sounds like, to consider additional carbon pricing policies, including ratcheting up ambition and harmonizing instruments and, and addressing other sectors. A lot of the same issues that I think jurisdictions all over the world are looking at. So that's very interesting. So you and your colleagues have been thinking about the shape that a German carbon pricing reform or addition could take. Uh, Can you say a little bit more about your particular proposal?
1: Sure. So at its core, the proposal is quite simple. For the EU ETS sectors, we suggest to introduce a price floor um, to ensure against downward price risk of 20 euro in the year 2020 and then rising to 35 euro in the year 2030. And that would be sufficient to achieve the emission targets in the German electricity sector that Germany has set for itself and that it also has under EU uh, climate legislation. The second part of the proposal concerns the non ETS sector, so transport, um, non covered industry buildings. We have implicit carbon prices in place here, which is energy taxes, which is tax energy. And we propose to rebase that energy taxation to the CO2 content of the covered fossil fuels and then take the same um, carbon price rates as we suggest for the EU ETS sectors so that we would have a harmonized price signal across the economy. Now, that would not be enough to achieve the emission targets in those other sectors. We would need additional policies for that. Or we can start a discussion about whether we should have a higher carbon price to achieve those. Um, one of the other, but um, we chose to start modestly because I think there's a high value in having a modest carbon price to start with that is rising modestly to get the infrastructure in place, get people used to it, stabilize the instrument uh, and avoid any backlash, as we have witnessed in France recently.
0: So part of policy design is, in fact, figuring out what is politically palatable. I want to ask you a couple of questions about that. Um, So the use of revenue is always a thorny issue in uh, carbon pricing design. And what are your thoughts about the best uses of revenue uh, from any expansion of carbon pricing in Germany?
1: Yeah, so one very big concern is about the impact of carbon pricing on low-income households in Germany. Um, So actually, our current mix is quite regressive. The subsidies are quite regressive because it's a flat fee on electricity uh, consumptions, which is equal to all households. So it's very regressive. Our proposal is to um, eliminate the electricity tax that we have in place so we have a tax on electricity actually no matter where it comes from so we also tax renewable electricity even though we also subsidize it and we want to electrify the economy I have a sector coupling as a major uh, way of decarbonizing the economy but we have a tax on electricity which is inhibiting this so it doesn't make sense from an allocative perspective, but also this electricity tax is highly regressive and getting rid of it um, would offset some of the regressive uh, effects. And it just so happens that the additional revenues we would raise with the reform that we suggest, which is roughly around 7 billion euros, is almost equivalent to the current power tax revenue. So we could eliminate the one and um, and raise the, the carbon price on the, on the other hand. Um, going forward, and if we would have a higher price or more revenues... Um, you would need additional uh, uh, policies, I think, to to offset regressive. And this is really on people's mind. Also in conservative parties, this is a wide, widely held um, concern um, and that needs to be addressed, and it hasn't been addressed so far at all. So, of course, in the EU-ETS, we also have revenues and we spend those, but this is all on green spending, uh, climate measures, international climate finance. I think we have to change strategy a bit here for feasibility.
0: Mm, yeah. Very interesting. Definitely issues that are will, will be familiar to our US-based audiences as well as these policies are debated in this country. Um, can you say a little bit more about the political prospects for such a reform? Aside from the revenue raising, I'm sure there are many other considerations that policymakers have. Any reflections on some of those?
1: So actually one of the first questions is, uh, is this feasible and desirable to do it on a German level or even a small coalition of countries, as I mentioned earlier, or should it be done at the EU-wide level? Um, so, there's a lot of disagreement. My own take on this is it would be absolutely fantastic to get an EU wide minimum price in the ETS and coordinate carbon pricing in the other sectors ab- across the European Union. We actually tried this in the late 2000s to uh, harmonize road transport taxation, f- completely failed. Um, but I still think that it would be worthwhile for policymakers to invest significant uh, resources into achieving this and use our well-established tools of compensating Eastern and Eastern European and Southern European countries uh, um, to, to move along. This is something we do all the time in climate and energy policy and other fields. And this would be very important to set a precedent for international climate policy negotiations, right? For, so for me, the EU is always the laboratory to, to test multilateral uh, climate policy. If we fail on this, how can we ever get anywhere globally? Um, but it's still difficult enough, even with neighboring countries such as Germany and Poland. It's quite frustrating, actually. But I keep telling my German colleagues we we have to try. There's a there's a high value in in developing models for tackling these issues. All of that said, policymakers keep telling me it's it's very difficult, hard to achieve. Um, so I have to believe them at some point. And um, so the alternative plan, if the EU option fails, would be to form a coalition of countries and France, the Netherlands, Sweden, they have all announced they would be willing to do this. They're basically waiting for Germany to make up its mind, um, at least for this EU ETS minimum price option, right? Um, and then we could also consider the non-ETS pricing option And then this approach should, of course, be open to others over time, and they should join the coalition. And, of of course, the dream would be that you, in the end, get the uh, EU-wide approach, Um, but you would need to take care to uh, enable this. And this is an example of what is now being discussed as sort of a a multi-speed Europe, because in all policy areas we have some disagreement across uh, member states, um, and of course, you always have those who want to do more, those who do less. And then, do you uh, water down to the least common denominator, or do you have a multi-speed ab- approach? The euro currency is an example for the multi-speed Europe. Only some countries have it, right?
0: So it does seem like the international context is particularly important when it comes to thinking about this. Are there domestic concerns as well, just within the country borders? If, if, for example, Germany did have to implement a um, sole country additional carbon price? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so the first concern in Germany is always about the industry sector because we are a strongly export oriented industry. We have a lot of energy intense industries and these have always been very concerned about unilateral climate policy. Um, this is also why we have a lot of compensatory um, policies in place, such as electricity price, uh, increase exemptions for energy-intensive industries, free allocation of allowances. So they're pretty well shielded um, from these competitiveness issues. And in fact, the German Industry Association came out with a quite impressive study last year that argued that Germany can reduce its emissions by 85% um, until 2050 relative to 1990 levels, which is the German long-term emission goal. In a way, that would be beneficial even to German industry because it has this competitive advantage of producing very energy and emission efficient um, products. So even if the rest of the world does not adopt policy that is as stringent as the German policy, but at least some climate policy, they find Germany can actually do it. So that's, that's quite impressive, actually. So industry has actually started to support carbon pricing as an approach in Germany. This has been an important development. Um, Then we have this coal commission I mentioned earlier in the power sector. There are a lot of people in there who are in favor of carbon pricing. I hope they will set this on the agenda, Uh, a carbon price complementing this um, coal phase-out schedule so as to avoid rebound effects where you take out lignite plants, um, but then electricity becomes more expensive and that then leads to increased hard coal uh, power production. So that would be a sort of a rebound effect. If you have a, a minimum price in place that can, um, that can push back on that, that would be one rationale. Um, and in the electricity sector, actually, you have two important constituencies. The One is the gas operators. We have a lot of gas plants that are not running because the... They were built when people were expecting higher carbon prices, actually. They're not running because coal is more competitive now. Higher carbon prices or rising carbon prices would uh, uh, put these in, into the money. And then, of course, renewable uh, energy operators. I mean, as I said, we have 40% of consumptions being covered by renewables, which are highly subsidized, which is, of course, not very well liked, even in Germany. So getting a carbon price would make these more competitive, even without the subsidies. And so the renewable Constituency has begun endorsing a carbon price, which is very new, by the way. So it used to be a very uh, 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 divisive discussion between proponents of carbon pricing and of renewables. And hmm. this is very new that we have a coalition emerging here, which is which I'm one of my favorite German policy developments, actually.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Christian, I want to thank you very much again for joining us and and talking to us a little bit about where Germany is headed in terms of policy development around carbon pricing. Uh, It sounds like Germany has a very strong leadership role to play here. So whatever decisions happen in your country will be important for the rest of the continent too. So it's very interesting to hear. Uh, I wanted to close the podcast with our top of the stack feature. Um, So what have you read or watched or heard recently related to these issues around climate governance and climate policy that you think is particularly interesting and that you might recommend to our listeners? Yeah.
1: So each year during the UNFCCC Conference of Parties in November, December, um, the Global Carbon Budget Project releases its new presentation of data on global CO2 emissions and the development of the global energy system. Um, And I always check these immediately when uh, when they arrive, uh, the, the latest numbers. And it's usually quite depressing because every year, CO so two emissions keep rising. And, and also if you look at the energy system development, the, the use of fossil energies is actually increasing. It's not stabilizing, it's not decreasing. We had a bump in coal, um, but it's extremely sobering. And uh, while many people find it depressing, I also find it very motivating in the sense, there's so much to be done in, in developing effective climate policy. And we actually have quite a long way to go and uh, there's a lot of work to be done.
0: Yeah, certainly information like that is can be quite sobering, but as you, as you noted, it can also be a good motivator for doing the kind of work that you and Resources for the Future does. So thank you again. I really appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back in D.C. on your next visit.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on Resources Radio. We'd love to hear what you think, so please rate us on iTunes or leave us a review. It helps us spread the word. Also, feel free to send us your suggestions for future episodes. Resources Radio is a podcast from Resources for the Future. RFF is an independent, nonprofit research institution in Washington, D.C. Our mission is to improve environmental, energy, and natural resource decisions through impartial economic research and policy engagement. Learn more about us at rff.org. The views expressed on this podcast are solely those of the participants. They do not necessarily represent the views of resources for the future, which does not take institutional positions on public policies. Resources Radio is produced by Kate Peterson with music by Daniel Ramey. Join us next week for another episode.